All right. Well, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for coming this morning. So I don't know if you know, it's like we have this enormous tank of water right here. This is, looks very unnatural. It didn't get here by accident. So uh, we are having baptisms today. So we're just really thankful that you were coming, came to just be a part of that today. Um, so yeah, it was about a couple years ago, uh, actually a few years ago. Um, so Brandon and I went to Farm and Fleet and we bought this and the, ca- the well-intentioned cashier was like, oh, is this farm exempt? And I was like, no. No, it's actually not. Definitely not. So I grew up on a farm, and my dad would laugh at that a lot. Right? That was so anyway. So anyway, so thanks for coming today. Um, so like Becky said, uh, we canceled kids' church as a one-time only thing, just so that because um, we want the kids to just be a part of this here, to just really um, to experience that with us as well. So thanks for you guys being here for sure. Um, so like Becky said, um, so I'm going to be giving a short sermon. Um, Olivia is going to be, after that, is going to be coming up and um, just to share her testimony. And then um, she's going to be getting baptized. And then we're just going to remember Jesus together in communion after that as well. So, so spoiler alert, uh, everything this morning is going to be about Jesus. Um, so that big mural that's on uh, in the lobby right there that says uh, it's all about Jesus, uh, that is not some vague aspirational uh, saying that we like to have, like at our church here at River City. So uh, that's something that we actually try to live out, um, like in a meaningful way. So this morning, that's why this morning, uh, the sermon I'm going to be preaching, that's going to be all about Jesus. Uh, the testimony and baptism, those are going to be all about Jesus as well. The musical worship, that's going to be all about Jesus. The communion afterwards, that is going to be all about Jesus as well. So, so the person of Jesus and what Jesus has done on our behalf, that is really like what we strive to have um, that be. Um, central to everything that we do here at River City. So, um, so with that in mind, um, because the because we're having baptisms this morning, um, so the sermon this morning is actually going to be about baptism. But more specifically, it's going to be about how we, uh, we're going to see from Scripture how baptism is all about Jesus. How baptism is all about Jesus. So with that in mind, let's pray. So God, um, thank you so much for. Uh, for saving us and taking initiative with us and pursuing us and rescuing us and and you getting all the glory the glory and the credit for that as well. So um, thank you that we're not ultimately part of that equation um, and how like you can really get the credit and the glory. So um, we pray that you'll empower us to see how um, baptism is all about you, Jesus. And um, yeah. We pray that we'll, man, we can't, and I pray that we'll be rejoicing in that, of, about that as well. We can't rejoice um, in who you are without your empowerment too. So you get the credit for that as well. So yeah, we need you for that this morning with us. And we love you. Amen. All right, so for this, uh, so for this brief sermon, I'm eventually going to be camping out on Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Uh, for just wanted to just give a little background on Romans, just because we're parachuting into this book right now. So, so Paul is writing uh, this letter to Christians in a local church in the city of Rome in the first century. So, and again, before we get into chapter six, just want to give you a brief overview of this, the briefest overview ever of the first chapter, five chapters of the book of Romans. So, up to this point in the letter, Paul has been writing to the Romans about what is true about us about what is true about who God is, about what, um, what's true about the person of Jesus, and what's also true about what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. So Paul says that God is our creator, and he is infinitely holy, and therefore we are infinitely accountable to him. 
But in our life and heart, we've gone our way and not God's way, which is ultimately rebellion against God himself, which is really as horrible and terrible and as tragic and treasonous as it sounds. And as a result, we've been separated from God both now and for all of eternity. And forever is a long time, but our punishment, that's our punishment because we've sinned against an infinitely holy God. So it's not like we've just sinned against like some kind of animal or a dog or a pet or your spouse or your coworker. It's like, no, it's like you've ultimately sinned against an infinitely holy God. So that's bad news for us. But the badness of the bad news only serves to exponentially highlight the goodness of the good news. And the good news is explained in Romans, Romans 5, 6. Um, which is going to be up on the screen, which Paul says, you see, at just the right time, and God always shows up at the right times when he determines what's right. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Very rarely will anyone die for a a righteous person, which is true. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, which is also true. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is not a merely sentimental feeling of sorts. Like he loved us while we were still sinners, and he puts that love into action. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was not obligated to die for us, but he purposely chose, chose us and pursued us and rescued us. And he did that as a demonstration of his love for us. And Romans 5.1 perfectly just ties it up in a bow when that's going to be up on the screen as well. So where Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we used to not have peace with the infinitely holy God of the universe, but now we do because we put our faith in Jesus. That's how we have peace with God, through faith in Jesus. We don't have peace with God through cleaning ourselves up. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus. We don't have peace with God through rigidly obeying all the rules and trying to live up to our own standards. Like we have peace with God through faith in Jesus. We don't have peace with God through participating in good stuff like baptism and communion like we will be this morning. No, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus. We don't have peace with God through uh, having the good in your life outweigh the bad in your life. No, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus. And we don't have peace with God through being zealously committed to religious activities. Like, no, like, We have peace with God through faith in Jesus. Like, that's the gospel. Like, the bad news is way worse than you think because our rebellion and sinfulness is so bad that Jesus had to die. But you are so loved that Jesus was happy to die for you. And stacked on top of that, we're not only forgiven, but we're also adopted into God's family. You are not born into God's family. You are adopted into it. So imagine uh, as God is a judge and you are on trial for your own sinful rebellion against him. But because you have put your faith in Jesus, 
He swings down his gavel. Is that what judges do? Swing down the gavel. Like, and you are declared not guilty on account of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And if being declared not guilty is all the good news that there was, that would still really be good. Okay? But the good news even gets better than that. It's like, so after declaring you not guilty, God breaks, breaks out the adoption papers, sign the, signs the adoption papers, and brings the not guilty party like fully into his family as an adopted son or daughter into his family. The judge and king of the universe that you have sinfully rebelled against not only declares you not guilty through faith in Christ, but he happily adopts you into his family. You aren't a forgiven orphan. Like, you are a forgiven son or daughter through faith in Jesus. And that's good news. And that's the kind of good news that not only changes your status and your standing before God, but it also changes the trajectory and everything else in your life. So with that in mind, uh, let's pick it up in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 1. It should be up on the screen. So Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. And Paul goes on to explain why. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So your status and standing before an infinitely holy God has radically and permanently changed from being sinful rebel to beloved member of his family. And Paul rightly sums up that radical change by saying, we are those who have died to sin. Therefore, how can we live in it any longer? Like you've moved from death to life and now your direction is completely different. And that's such a radical change and such good news. Like why would you go back? Like becoming a forgiven, adopted member of of his family, that results in a different direction in someone's life. And that's why in a few minutes, like Olivia is going to be coming up here and just sharing a little bit about like what that's looked like for her as she's been following Jesus. So then Paul doubles down on making his point. Verse three, he says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we are not going to suck the marrow out of that today, but like, I just don't want you to be confused about what's going on in these Um, in these verses. So here's the pattern to notice. So in verses three and four, verses three and four seem to indicate that there is a connection between the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and you getting baptized. Because that's why, um, because when someone gets baptized, there are simultaneously two stories being told, like in a live action drama kind of way. There's your story and there's the story of Jesus. So the reason why we do uh, baptism by immersion is because, according to this passage, when you go down into the water, that's intended to tell a story about you being dead in your sin and going into the grave just like Jesus did. We were dead and buried in our sin just like Jesus was dead and buried in our sin. And when, when he died and took the punishment for our sin that we deserved. 
So going down into the water is intended to symbolize that in a live-action drama kind of way. It's telling a story right there. So the reason why we do baptism by immersion, just like actually like someone goes into the water like that, um, we don't do that because like it's convenient. Like, well, this is really convenient to get this huge thing of water here. No, it's not convenient at all. <laughs> like, like, um, but Romans 6 points to the beautiful symbolism of going down into the water symbolizing the death and burial of Jesus and the death and burial of our old life without Jesus. And we, when we come up out of the water, that's intended to tell a story and to symbolize us coming alive in new spiritual life, just like when Jesus was raised from the dead to new life. Just as he was resurrected in new life, like we are resurrected in new life. Like dead in our sin, raised in new life just like Jesus. So baptism, rightly understood, is, is meant to tell your story, and it's meant to tell the story of Jesus and how you've been raised from the dead in new life and how you're identifying your life and direction of your life with him right now. So in that way, um, baptism is really meant as a way to um, just really go public with your faith and just to declare that, like, I, this is the direction of my life that I'm going with. I'm with Jesus right now. So um, that's why, like, baptism isn't a going through the motions, religious ritual kind of thing with an, like, kind of, like, an emptiness with that. Um, you know, it's a conscious thing. It's a telling of the story of who Jesus is and your story kind of thing. So, so with that being said, I'm really thankful that um, Olivia has bravely chosen to uh, share her story uh, today. And um, it was great meeting with her at Chick-fil-A just to hear just about, like, uh, not because it was Chick-fil-A, but, like, <laughs> just, like, just hearing about, like, um, how God has just really um, changed her and everything and just getting to talk about her story. So, so Olivia, how about you come on up, and then you can share that, and then we'll baptize you afterwards. Round of applause. Hi, I'm Olivia. Um, I have lived a long life in depression. I'm 43, but I've been suffering depression since I was very young. I remember tiny handfuls of happy moments, but in general, life has been bleak, lonely, and unguided, and full of tragic desperation for connection. Everything I did was to fit in, to have friends, to belong, to be good, to do the right things, to impress people enough. that I could be worthy of their love, attention, appreciation, and admiration. I tried so hard and always felt lonely, alone, desperate, and unworthy. I was not raised with the gospel, the word of God, Jesus, and the stories of salvation. <laughs> the tiny glimpses of religion and churches were nothing more than a secret society that I was not invited into. Hearing scripture quoted in movies or seeing people gather or chat about their churches and God seemed like a facade to me. Were they just faking it too, but in a happy little group? Are we all just pretending here to be happy and together and connected? I was envious or jealous, but also even more lonely when I would see happy Christians gathering outside of a church, 
filled with dis depictions of ancient old suffering. And I'm right here suffering this life alone and, and suicidal. I turned 40 and I gave up. I fell into the deepest depression of my life. Too many failed relationships and no hope for any kind of future. And I have three wonderful children, but I felt worthless and, burdened to them, and a burden to them and the rest of the world. I have no purpose, I'm only a problem, and it's time to give up. I could barely get out of bed, and when I did, my go-to connections were cigarettes and alcohol. And I've probably read every self-help book out there, but I had never read the Bible. I think I may have picked it up a few times in my life and tried to read a passage, but it literally made no sense to me. And I'd been living with an atheist for 15 years. <laughs> my family saw me spiraling into a giant mess and decided to send me to a clinic for depression and substance abuse. I was okay with it. I needed a break from stressors in my life and have nothing but mental health help for a month straight sounded like a cure I needed decades ago. Uh, we found a place called Honey Lake, a Christian-based retreat. And I wasn't opposed to a Christian clinic, but I also was not completely into it either. I figured I could go get what I needed and breeze over the Bible stuff. Before I arrived, I spoke with a few nurses and counselors, and they all prayed for me over the phone. And it felt incredible. <laughs> Something started to change inside me. Uh, Honey Lake was a beautiful place with incredibly sweet, understanding people, but it was still hard for me to get it, to feel what others could feel about God and Jesus and following and belonging. I didn't know how to pray or even what people were talking about half the time. It was my roommate that I think gave me the key. I would ask her all kinds of questions and she very graciously answered the best she could. But the one thing that she said that made the first major impact was invite Jesus into your heart. And so I did. <laughs> so we gathered with a pastor and a counselor and we all prayed together and I literally out loud with complete trust invited this someone or something I didn't know or even understand yet to live inside my heart. If you're real, Jesus, fill my heart because I'm empty, broken, and completely open. It's hard to explain the depth of what happened then. I felt a shift, but not something I can explain. And it wasn't immediate. This was the beginning of a slow but steady reveal. When I came home shortly after that, I actually met Brian and uh, he was the one that started to read the Bible with me. He suggested we read it. And of course, it didn't make any sense to me really, but I asked lots of questions and he was really graceful in answering them.
And then after that, my son took his own life. <laughs> Somehow this cracked me open and revealed the truth of suffering in this world and the sacrifice of Jesus. <laughs> my son suffered in this world. And somehow that suffering and the suffering I have experienced <laughs> created a thick fog and time just stopped. <laughs> I could not see this world or anything in it the same. I questioned everything, the point and the purpose of any of this. <laughs> With the grace of a few friends and a spiritual path had started. <laughs> I started to learn about the Holy Spirit, and as I read the Bible and asked so many questions, things started to make sense. The more that was revealed to me, the more I wanted to know even more. I decided to find a church, a community to help me on this journey. So just a year ago, I found you all here at River City. I found Jesus in the real unconditional love through his word, the Bible and the Holy Spirit that walks with me every day now. Listening to the sermons on Sunday and singing the songs with you all with tears running down every time. I feel at peace for the first time in my life. I feel the grace, I feel forgiveness. I still grieve and I still struggle daily with the loss of my son in this world. As I'm a brand new child of God, I truly feel like a child with all the wonder and questions and so many tears as I learn. But I now have Jesus walking with me. He's in my heart, I am changed. I pray that my daughters will see and feel my change and that Jesus will find their hearts too. So baptism today for me is a powerful symbol of the end of a life I lived without his grace and guidance. I will no longer live a lonely life. I am new and I am more than ready to unapologetically and confidently walk with Jesus. So, so Olivia, we are so thankful that you belong to Jesus through faith in him and you have been made new and um, we're so thankful to walk with you in that too. So I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm Steph Burchart. Olivia and I have uh, had the pleasure of meeting with each other a little bit, and um, I'm just so thankful for the ways that the Lord has worked in her life and the ways that um, she's really been transformed by the gospel. So I just want to pray with her this morning. Uh, Jesus, thank you so, so much for the healing and the peace that you have brought to Olivia in this time in her life. Um, thank you so much for um, just being the one that is responsible for the healing and the peace and the change that has been evident in her life. And I just pray that um, you could just continue to work in her life. You draw her closer to you. Um, and thank you for this church family that you have provided for her. And I just pray that we can help her in drawing nearer to you as well. Amen.
So your story may be similar to Olivia's. Your story may be maybe really different than Olivia's, but the commonality with it is that um, is faith in Christ, a different, um, a change in orientation, and um, you know the good thing about who God is is that he's he's trustworthy with our brokenness, and he's trustworthy to deal with our sin, and he is the only one who has that level of trustworthiness. So, um, and he's really inviting us all into that kind of um, trust and faith. And yeah, so I just really invite you in with that. Um, yeah, and that's, that's why we take communion on a weekly basis here. This isn't, I hope one thing that you saw like this morning is that God is not into empty rituals and things like that. Um, it's all about Jesus. It really is. So, um, yeah, just like baptism symbolizes the gospel, like the communion is meant to symbolize the gospel as well. So the bread, is, uh, the bread symbolizes his body, the juice symbolizes his blood, and those things were broken and shed in a costly and loving way for you. So, and when we take communion, um, just remember it's like, um, just like 1 Corinthians 12 says, when Paul says, um, he quotes Jesus by saying, we do the, when you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. Like we remember Jesus when we take communion together. So, so Jesus is your forgiver and leader. We just really invite you to take communion this morning. So, um, but here's the deal: um, if you um, this morning, um, if if you aren't a follower of Jesus, we would ask you to hold off on taking communion because again, like we're not into empty religious rituals here. But if um, yeah, if you heard through the testimony and through like what I was preaching about this morning, um, if you heard um, about who Jesus is and, and in, your, in your heart, there is a, a grief and a weight in your heart over your sin against God. And um, I would just really encourage you to take the first couple songs during, like, um, during the worship set to just really, just really talk and pray to God about that. Um, yeah, and I would just encourage you to, along with that, to receive him through faith. So, like, I would just encourage you to receive him through faith, put your hope and trust in him, and then just go take communion. That's the invitation, to come to Jesus like that. So you dip the bread in the juice. It's like, um, you don't need to be a member here, take communion. You only need to have put your faith in Jesus. So, yeah, and you can go up and take communion at any time during those three songs, during the worship set. Yeah, so let's pray. So God, thanks for, um, thanks for saving Olivia. Thanks for saving us. Thanks for taking initiative towards us. Um, thank you that you invite us into relationship with you um, through orienting our hearts to you in faith. Um, yeah, thank you um, that you empowered Olivia to um, just bravely share her story of just like how you've transformed her. Um, yeah, so we're just really thank you, thankful for you doing that. Um, we pray for um, just for many more people in the Dubuque area just to be transformed by the gospel, that we can come alongside as a church of just like what you're doing in their lives in terms of saving them and pursuing them, God. So, yeah, so we need you and we trust you for that. Amen.